Hi everyone, welcome to the Value Inspiration podcast. My name is Ton Dobber and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration and the author of The Remarkable Effect. I'm creating a tribe of tech entrepreneurs that are on a mission to do something big and meaningful. I invite you to join the tribe as well, especially if you want to create change that matters and put your software business on momentum that you're proud of. The goal that I have with this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest on my podcast today is Mayank Matur, CEO of Avasa AI. So the big idea is that tenants, residential tenants, today are wasting a lot of time and energy on home search. We want to reduce that time to less than 10 hours, make sure that all of these tenants are super relaxed during that process. After all, they're starting a new chapter in their life and it has to kind of come at a very, in a very relaxed manner rather than them being hassled about it or them being totally stressed out about it. Historically, there has been no player in the market that looks after the interests of the residential tenants. We chose a business model which is centered around how do we ensure we earn some money working with the tenants. But we don't want to completely or at all displace the other side of the equation because there is an important role that estate agents play. Estate agents actually absolutely love us. They basically like us because A, we bring what's called in the industry as hot leads. This is Mayank. He's a technology entrepreneur with over 15 years of experience in industry. He co-founded a capital market technology startup in India, developing trade platforms and blockchain solutions for brokers, banks, exchange, and other financial institutions based globally. Mayank is an ex-technology banker, having spent about nine years advising global technology companies on M&A and equity and debt fundraising. His current PropTech venture in London is focused on simplifying the home search experience for residential tenants. The way he's doing this inspired me, and hence I invited him to be a guest on my podcast. We explore how and why the process of renting real estate has effectively not changed in the last 100 years, and what enormous waste, stress, and financial drain this leads to for everybody in the process, and even beyond. We also discuss how Mayank is creating a new category, and his view on what it takes to become a remarkable software business. By listening to this podcast, you will learn four things. Firstly, how you can identify underserved markets and create a new category by analyzing existing markets and approach the problem from the other end. Secondly, how to stick to your guns and play the infinite game in the early stage of your business when short-term, low-hanging fruit type opportunities are luring. Thirdly, how to create a well-functioning funnel by giving partners what you have in abundance and thereby creating a win-win situation. And fourthly, that innovating the business model is probably even more important than innovating the product. So hi, Mayank. Thank hi, you Tom. for being on my podcast today and making the time available on your busy schedule. Thanks for having me, Tom. I'm looking forward to our discussion. Me too. Me too. And the way we got connected was an interesting one. We're both trying out this new service that recently launched, actually, I think in Europe, called Lunch Club. Yes. And yeah, still fascinated about what, what's going on there. But that's a different story. But we got to talk and, and you explained to me what your business is about. And that struck, yeah, struck a chord with me. How do you say that? Sparked something inside me that I say, hey, this is interesting. You're a very good guest to have on my podcast because of your company called Avasa. 
We're going to talk about that. But before we start, a little bit about you. If you would have to describe yourself in a couple of words, mm-hmm. what is it? What are the words you use? I think I would say persistent and team builder slash team player. Kind of always have recognized that as a single person, you can't really achieve all the things that you would want to achieve. So you've got to work with a very strong team around you. And then also be persistent towards your goals once you have identified what is it that you're looking for. Because no matter what, you know, whether you are in entrepreneurship world or in corporate environment, unless you have that persistence, you cannot really achieve much, basically. So yeah, persistent and team player. Very good. So you started the company in 2016. And it's all about yeah, solving pretty large problems from what I can see from the outside in rental search. Company is called Avasa, Avasa.ai. So you can check that out on the internet. But what is the big idea behind the company? Sure. So the big idea is that tenants, residential tenants, today are wasting a lot of time and energy on home search. How can we create a mechanism wherein they don't spend any more than 10 hours to find and finalize a property? And that includes everything from identifying the area that works for them to identifying the property to all the way going till signing the lease. We want to reduce that time to less than 10 hours, make sure that all of these tenants are super relaxed during that process. After all, they're starting a new chapter in their life and it has to kind of come at a very in a very relaxed manner rather than them being hassled about it or them being totally stressed out about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you did specifically in the London area, right? So that's where we started in 2017. We launched okay. our the beta version of our app in 2017 with a focus on London. In 2018, we expanded across the UK and well, late 2018. And then it kind of, you know, on in first half of 2019, we expanded the service element as well outside of London. Service element is basically where we can dedicate a personal concierge for every search. And our personal concierge works closely with the tenant to find and finalize a property for them. Okay. So you I mean, is this like, yeah, taking a, a couple of players out of the, of the league? Is it, for example, the whole real estate business, are they involved or, or not involved anymore? Sure. So the approach we have chosen is to really focus on what is it that the tenants need. These are the people who are living in the property. Historically, there has been no player in the market that looks after the interests of the residential tenants. True. Right. So tenants have to go to the estate agents and estate agents work for the landlords. So what we have done is we chose to focus on the tenants and we said, okay, what are the things that are basically forcing you to waste time, forcing you to take kind of, you know, wrong decisions or decisions in a, with very limited information. And as a consequence of that focus, we chose a business model, which is centered around how do we ensure we earn some money working with the tenants, but we don't want to completely or at all displace the other side of the equation because there is an important role that estate agents play. They are the yeah. ones who basically bring the property to the market they do the due diligence on the landlord and the property itself. So there's an important role there to be played by the estate agents. We just ensure that the process is super smooth for, for these tenants and they are not you know, looking at hundreds of ads. They are not talking to tens of estate agents and they're not kind of running around across the town just for nonsensical viewings, basically. So we control a lot of that. For most part of the process, we are the only person that the tenant is talking to during the search process. So no more ask, yeah. you know, answering non-stop phone calls and emails from, from estate agents. And we manage all that workflow in the back end with the estate agents. Okay, nice. Is it also 
like a win for the landlords and for the, the real estate agents? Because I can imagine the moment you you make that process for the tenant way easier, yeah. that they will also see a change. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the estate agents actually absolutely love us. They basically like us because A, we bring what's called in the industry as hot leads. Yeah. So these are tenants who are kind of ready to sign the document almost so long as the property checks out what it is on the photographs. And we are the ones who take care of educating the, the tenant with regards to what could be the right offer, what are the right terms and conditions in the lease or specific things in the lease, what does that mean, etc. So for the estate agent, it's a very easy business that they can close. And then they earn the commission from the landlord. So, you know, it's a very profitable trade for them to sign one of our clients as their next tenant, basically. Do less, win more. Absolutely. That's the motto. That's why we created this business, you know, for for tenants to do less and gain more in terms of peace of mind, in terms of savings they do, and just kind of being less stressed about this whole thing. But what is it? Where is the peace of mind coming from? Because I mean, is it? I mean, how is it? What is the pressure for them to get to get any house, for example? Sure. So. Think of the regular kind of, you know, search process. You start with an online aggregator and then you have to talk to a lot of estate agents, basically explaining the same thing over and over again, and then look at all the ads that they start throwing at you. So, you know, just that initial part of the whole process is taking a lot of time. And when this time is coming at the same time that you have to dedicate on your office job, looking after your family, traveling, business, etc it becomes really stressful for for the tenants to manage all of these conversations at the same time. Mm -hmm. With the help of our platform and our personal concierge, we actually streamline all of that. So instead of uh, tenants looking at hundreds of properties, our artificial intelligence engine looks at what is it that they really like, really understands that, and puts only those properties that actually really, really match their requirements. Um, And then from that point on, making the booking for viewing a property, asking questions to estate agents or asking general questions, you know, about the process, et cetera. All of that is very seamless within the app and everything, all the information stays in the app. So they can anytime go back and say, okay, what did I say about property number one that I had visited? And how does that compare to property number five I visited? And everything is there. So that ready access to information uh, dramatically reduces the cognitive overload that they have today while doing the home search. So that's one critical aspect. The second is when they're working with the concierge, and that is kind of, we'll talk about that's actually increasingly our chatbot. When our concierge is involved, that is basically constantly educating them about what's coming next around the corner and what are they, you know, what should they be ready with, et cetera. And that's a supervised chatbot environment where actually there are dedicated industry professionals who are supervising those discussions to be sure that, you know, the bots are, are kind of saying the right things because it's still very early days for us around yeah. that but we don't miss anything based on that unique situation. So it's effectively an industry professional who's looking after your home search right from a start till the time you have signed the lease and you have the keys in your hand. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, I, I realize I've, I've bought a couple of houses in my life and of course it's always this, yeah, endless search. And I wish that I had something when I bought my house here in Spain that was a similar service because then you're actually doing it also from a distance. Yes. But, but what is also <laughs> I'm curious about, it's like rental search. Is this also applicable or could you apply this to buying houses? Yes, that is on our roadmap for longer term. Absolutely. The reason we started on rental search is because the whole 
product and, and the business comes out of our own personal experience. Uh-huh. So in December 2015, my wife and I, we came back from India where I had created my first tech startup and we started looking for a property to rent. And despite the fact we knew the city, we knew the neighborhood, we actually knew down to the street we wanted to live in ideally. Yeah. It took us almost 75 to 80 hours to find a property. We visited about 45 different properties, really? talked to about 15 different estate agents, endless calls, emails, etc. And that experience actually kind of, you know, had this impact on us to say, okay, why is this experience so broken? Why, you know, why can't I just go to one platform and do all of these things instead of, you know, online search and then talk to so many different people and then kind of keep on track of so many discussions. So we looked around and we kind of figured that there's no real product out there that is actually looking after after tenants, basically. So, you know, true to being an entrepreneur, we decided to create That's that. That's what exactly. exactly. Let me make a small interruption here. Mayank just illustrated the situation we can all run into. What you do with it is a second thing. Some people stop, wonder, and see the opportunity for innovation, and others don't and go on with their life. Curiosity is the difference. Curiosity is a key trait remarkable software businesses cherish. They actually work hard to create a culture of curiosity, and this becomes their engine to stay relevant going forward. If you want to discover what you can do to master the curiosity trait, or any of the other 10 traits that defines a remarkable software business, I recommend you to buy a copy of my book, The Remarkable Effect. You can buy it on Amazon and any other portal where they sell books online. Back to the interview. Yeah, that's interesting. What is the opportunity if you get this right? I mean, what if the world sort of embraces this model? How would it, will, how would it look different? And, yeah. and what is the opportunity from there? Sure. So within the property rental market alone, typically it takes almost 38 to 39 hours for people to find a property on an average. But for a large number of young professionals, which we classify generally in the age group of 25 to 45 years old, it can take them between 50 and 250 hours. And that is time spent away from work, away from doing productive work, away from their family, and kind of, you know, really building the distress levels. That's one critical aspect of this whole thing. And then second thing, which we have constantly seen with a lot of tenants is when they're so pressed for time, they end up dramatically increasing the budget that they're willing to pay for the housing. So we have heard instances where in their last search, tenants increased their budget by 30, 40% even. And that's a huge drain on their financials as well as, you know, eventually what happens is at the end of that year, they turn up at the doorstep of their employer and say, hey, you know what? This city is too expensive for me to live and increase my salary. So, you know, there's a lot of repercussions of that initial decision. So as we cut down that time, that's a spend on home search as we cut down or make the process super seamless. All of that time gets freed up for people to actually just focus on making the right decision instead of worrying too much about the process or worrying too much about whether they're getting the right advice or not. And as you were pointing out previously, the problem is even more acute on the buying side because that process may last for months, basically. Yeah, yeah, sure. In the rental side, we get it done in typically four to six weeks, but on the buying side, it could be last last for months at end. So as we kind of really create this mechanism and we, as we break the process of how to make this whole thing happen very quickly, we can implement this in another segment, buying segment. Yeah. And that dramatically frees up people's time and energies to do everything else that they would like to do in their life, basically. <laughs> 
Yeah, and it's about well, sometimes it's about such an important decision, like the, the place where you live. So it's yes, yeah, it's it's odd that it has to be such a drain. So good, well, interesting to to see how this is. It's always been an underserved market, and and now is being taken <laughs> on. So we had this interesting anecdote when we started. We kind of figured that the real estate industry or the search process had not changed at all since 2002 when I came to London for the first time to live here permanently. Yeah. And when we started talking to various industry participants, one estate agent told us, oh, forget 15 years. It's actually over 100 years. This has not changed. You know, previously, yeah. tenants would look at window ads on the window. Then it was in the newspaper. And then the, those ads went online. But the process is the same. Nothing changes, basically. You have to just go around running across the town all the time to be able to find a property. Yeah. Maybe it's also because you don't do it often enough <laughs> to really make it an issue. Yes. And you get, well, also the, the real estate agents, they get complacent. It's a people game. You have to yeah. see the, the apartment in order to do that. How can you make that yeah. more efficient? And you can. Yeah. So talking about your solution, mm-hmm. building it up since, well, first beta was out in, in 2017. So that's now two and a half years ago. What do you believe have you done that makes this product uh, deliver its value as it delivers as today? I think the most important part, which we continue to focus on nonstop is to work with the end user all the time. So we, right from day one, the idea was very clear that we build a product that works for for the tenants rather than let's, you know, find a technology, find a fancy name and then figure out where does it apply basically. So since 2017, we have now worked with over 400 tenants one-to-one really understanding what is it that they need and where in the whole process is it that they need most help from us. We have over 50,000 users on on our search app that have used the app to find a property. So we can see a lot of flow going through the app as well and learn on that basis. And our motto always has been to create a, any feature that actually is demanded by the users. And because we have that concierge kind of model, we actually see that regularly of what is it that they're asking for. In fact, last year, it happened, I think, three times when at the end of the search, we found a property for the tenant and we sent them a survey form. So in return of that survey form, the tenant called me directly and told me, hey, man, you need to have this, this and the other thing in the, in the app. And I kept asking the questions. And effectively, in, those, in that 15-minute conversation, 20-minute conversation, typically, each one of them told me about our product roadmap, which we had already in our in place, we had not told them about it, but they came back saying, okay, this is what you need. This is what you need. And this would have made my life even easier, basically. So that very tight kind of working with the tenant is critical because think of it, we don't have a template right now. We are creating a product which doesn't exist in the market today, right? So estate agents like saying they're helping tenants, but in reality, they're selling a property for which they get a commission from the landlord. So yeah, some of them are are really good and they will look after the tenants. Most of them are looking after the commissions they make basically. And then there's no one else. The tenants have to do everything themselves. They have to call, they have to email, they have to read the lease by themselves without ever understanding, you know, what is, what is written in there. So that's where we come in basically. And we make sure that everything is happening for them on time, on schedule and in order that protects their interests. So that is definitely one thing we have done extremely well and we continue to focus on. The second thing I would say is for us to to have used technology as an outcome or technology, we made technology choices as an outcome of what is the problem we are trying to solve and what is the solution. Very good. 
right? So we said, okay, how can we make sure that every tenant gets the best possible resource allocated to them for home search? And that's where the concierge comes in. But you can't provide a concierge for, you know, millions of private tenants that exist out there. It cannot be multiple human beings who are running around throughout the day. So how do we scale up that experience? So like, okay, then comes the idea, okay, you know, can you use NLP as a very kind of personalized mechanism to deliver that experience basically? Because every search is unique, every tenant is unique and their kind of challenges are unique. But at the same time, probably 60, 70, 80% of the questions they ask or the process they go through is the same basically. Yeah, true. So is there that balance we can find where we can scale up our model dramatically, go to all the tenants across the country and they are all more or less kind of sure that they get the same standard of care and standard of service from us as a service provider. Yeah, exactly. So that's a very good one. Like not, not technology in search of a problem, but a problem in search of technology and then figuring out what is the best way to, to solve the problem. One of the things that always intrigued me with Steve Jobs was the, the fact that he said innovation is not about what you do, but it's really about what you don't do. Were there right. any decisions on your journey so far where you said, we are deliberately not going to do this because it's... It, not in line with division. Yes. So very early on and even kind of till recently, we keep getting offers from estate agents and sometimes big landlords yeah. to bring business only to them because they see the quality of clients who are coming via our app. And, you know, they're kind of, as, as we were discussing earlier, they are high margin business for, for these estate agents. So we have been offered commissions. We have been offered kind of, you know, other, other incentives to bring business to them. And that's a very low hanging fruit in the industry. Almost every other prop tech business I know in the UK, they have chosen that business model to take a fee or commission from a state agent or the landlord because it's a low-hanging fruit. But in our view, always that dramatically restricts our ability to service those clients who we are really out there to service, which are the tenants and in the future, the buyers of these properties, basically. And this specific decision actually hurts a lot as well, especially as a startup when you're saying no to incoming revenue. Yeah, But we had to take that tough call at least three times to say no, politely no. And we kind of said, okay, listen, if you are really keen on this, then pass on this offer to our clients. So we can then tell our clients that, okay, you know, agent A, agent B, agent C has a special offer for our clients, basically, if you're really keen. So, you know, we try to steer away from that conflict of interest with our tenants, with our clients, basically. So that has been a very challenging one. And the, the second one has always been around what is the right time to build a team and how big that team can be, right? Because you don't want to build a team far ahead of where the business is. And at the same time, you need to have access to the right pool of people so you can tap into, into them as and when kind of, you know, the right opportunities come, come up basically. So it is within that context that I really like tools like Lunch Club where we met because that allows us to meet a lot of new people and kind of, you know, keep the antenna on for new opportunities but at the same time, we are not pulling trigger on anything kind of ahead of time, basically. <laughs> yeah. Any decisions in that process that turned out different from what you expected, possibly even in a dead-end road? I think one specific one, which has two ways that it kind of differed. So one is our kind of, you know, our focus on working with the tenants also had an extension to it, which is to kind of go and actually sign up a lot of those tenants as, as our clients. So what we kind of figured out over time is our referral model is working amazingly well. We were not tracking it till about three months ago. And when we looked at the stats, we figured out that actually 
almost 30% of our paid clients or a little more have come through referrals. So that was kind of, you know, unexpected outcome of that, unexpected positive outcome of that. But at the same time, one thing we learned kind of over time is acquiring direct B2C kind of clients is a lot of work. You know, it probably takes years to become an overnight success in the consumer market, basically. So we had to constantly find new ways to figure out how we keep that kind of, you know, flow coming in. So we have enough number of people in the pipe we are working with, which allows us to build that product in the back end, basically. So while we have not focused on let's, you know, start ramping up our revenues dramatically because still fairly recently, the product was largely service and it's only in recent months, it's kind of gotten into largely product. But at the yeah. same time, we need a regular kind of, you know, supply of, of tenants to say, okay, we would like to work with you and here's a little bit of money. So we test out our revenue model as well in the consumer market. So yeah. that consumer focus has given us these two kind of, you know, interesting learnings over the last couple of years, I would say. Yeah, interesting. I mean, and I also like your coming up to your earlier decision to not go for the low-hanging fruit with regards to you know, <laughs> getting money from real estate, because at the end, it's about what is the best option for your tenants. And if that yes. is yeah, squeezed or it, I mean, then the whole, the whole game of trust moves away. And trust, I think, is a big one in this whole process. Absolutely. And, you know, that is also evident in the general industry stats we see. So state agency businesses or state agents in general, they are repeatedly kind of at the bottom end of professions that are trusted out there, literally in last three out of 25, 30 professions that service kind of tell us. True. So, you know, as a tenant, as a maybe a, a buyer as well, people are not really out there trusting what the agent is saying. And that's because of this conflict of interest. Everybody recognizes that True. they're getting their money only if they are selling higher value property, right? And that's also why we chose our business model, which is to take money only when tenants are asking us for additional enhanced support and take it from the tenants instead of uh, taking it from the estate agents or, or landlords. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, interesting. That's for, for sure. Talking about your technology, was there any particular point where you say, okay, this, when we added this particular function or this particular technology type, we saw sort of a breakthrough? So I wouldn't necessarily say we had something that kind of, you know, allowed us to go through that breakthrough, but we took an approach where early on we kind of figured that you can't build a very personalized platform without having a lot of data. And you cannot have a lot of data if you're just kind of picking up data from public sources, which everybody else has as well. So we kind of, you know, created this uh, technology slash product roadmap for us, wherein in the first kind of, you know, couple of years or so, we really focused on nailing down that end-to-end customer journey. No AI, no nothing, just kind of, you know, how can you come on the app figure out which properties work the best for you, which areas work the best for you, add your friends, rate, comment, and kind of you know, reach that conclusion super quickly. Once that phase was working, that's when we added some intelligence last year to say, okay, artificial intelligence has to kick in so that you know we start proposing them specific properties and how quickly they reach that decision starts kind of you know, becoming more and more crystal clear. And then the next layer, which we are building right now is the chatbot that we were referring to earlier the NLP-driven chatbot. Now we have hundreds of conversations with our our tenants in digital format, basically. So we are using that to train our models and kind of reaching a stage where at this, you know, once the chatbots are ready, each tenant can access that chatbot very easily and that chatbot becomes their coach and 
it's a supervised chatbot for the foreseeable future. So there's a human being sitting behind making sure things are going right for them. So yeah. we have taken that step-by-step approach and the kind of, you know, push that comes in terms of user adoption is typically when we tap into, let's say, a pool of tenants all moving together. So these could be companies that have hired, you know, young professionals and there are a bunch of them who start their career at the same time or master's students or MBA students coming into a big business school in London or elsewhere. So they're all part of a group. If we end up helping one or two of them, then suddenly we see a, a flow of them coming to us saying, hey, help me as well. But in terms of technology choices, we, were, we have been very clear and very consistent in terms of how we are building this. Well, that's smart, step-by-step step and, and yeah, adjusting all the time until you get the right model there. And it goes again to your point, like starting with the end user and then use the technology to solve the real problems rather than the other way around. Very exactly. Good. You know, I told you in my conversation earlier on with you on Lunch Club that I wrote this book, The Remarkable Effect. Yes. I'm always, of course, interested. I mean, you're, you're transforming a space here and I always applaud for that. It's the thing that's what the world needs, you know, don't get kind of adjust small things that we've become adjusted to, but, but yeah, mm-hmm. go for the real transformation. In order to create a remarkable software business, what do you believe are traits that are absolutely essential? What's the one that you would highlight? I would really, you know, focus on the end user experience, especially when it comes to unmet needs, right? So that's probably a bit of digging around one needs to do to really identify what are those unmet needs and then have that persistence and kind of, you know, push to go against the established wisdom. Even to date, we keep getting told that, oh, this market is really very crowded and, you know, why would anybody come to you, etc. But we see that nonstop flow of, of users and clients coming to us, right? So that real focus on the consumer and constantly working with them very closely and at the same time, looking at what technology solves it for them and probably then kind of apply the long-term horizon of, okay, next 10 years, you know, how technologies may evolve and whether this is the right choice for me or not. So it's, yeah. it's, I would say it's a conference of these things of, you know, user problem, technology and kind of model all, to get, all coming together, basically. We were careful to select this. So I'm not a software developer. I, I used to work in investment banking for 10 years. Okay. Nine years of which were advising technology clients. And then I created another startup previously where I was doing a lot of sales and, and fundraising kind of work. So I didn't bring in the hat saying, okay, let's kind of build and break fast and figure out what fits. We kind of said, okay, let's really think through, you know, how can we position a business for next 10, 15, 20 years and whether our approach may work or not. So let's fully think through that and then start building and constantly kind of, you know, fine tuning our learnings and our kind of implementation. Yeah, exactly. So what did you learn about selling this? Because at the end, it's, it's not a common model in the market. I think you're, you're unique in your own space here. Yeah. No one will ask for it. Yes. So there is a lot of work we do. We create a lot of content. We write blogs. We, we are very active on social channels, etc., where people are asking questions about home search, etc. So it's a lot of manual work at the moment, yeah. but it's, it's in the direction of us fully learning what are the things people are worried about three months, six months, year in advance sometimes, or, you know, when they are kind of running late on their deadlines. And how do we address those? How do we, you know, point them in the right direction? And then eventually a lot of that traffic comes to us either to use the app for free or to come to us for being a paid client. But importantly, in doing so in last kind of about six or so months, what we learned also is that 
mental well-being and productivity at work are huge issues for corporates. And home search, we figured out while working with 400 plus tenants, is something that impacts both productivity and mental well-being of those professionals, basically. So we are now bridging that gap between those employees and the human resources and business owners to say, okay, this is what your employees are going through, right? So while, you know, you may not have thought of creating a product or a solution for them so far, but at least look at the problems they are facing and their problems are your problems because they, you know, there's no differentiation in work life these days. It's all the same, especially in the current environment, right? Exactly. So, you know, we are taking that message now to corporates as well. And we are finding very good kind of receptivity to, to this message. It's still very early days for us in the, in the corporate market. But what we intend to do is be the champion for the voice of the tenants to say, okay, A, I have a problem and everyone else in the industry should really know and understand about it. And at Avasa, we, we also do it with a lot of data. So it's not just stories, it's backed by a lot of data. So we run surveys, we track user kind of, you know, activity on the app. We basically, at the end of every search, we send them a survey form to ask them specific questions. And then we combine all of this to take to our kind of target audience and say, okay, this is what everybody else has told us so far. How about you? Yeah, that's a constant. Yeah, tuning the data is very important and so on. And and from there, it helps you tune in rather than guess what's going on. You're basing it on real on the experience of your real customers. Sure. If you look at the last two and a half years, what if you re- what is it something that didn't go so well? What do you regret? What would you do different next time? I think two things, and probably they are kind of interlinked. One is we have raised very little equity so far. Okay. And we have invested our own kind of funds and we have been very heavy, aggressive in terms of using non-dilutive funding. But uh, when we did raise the funding, equity funding about 18, 19 months ago, probably we should have raised more, which would have in turn allowed us to kind of be more aggressive in terms of some hiring and some kind of product enhancements, improvements we have done. So yeah, that pace of delivery and that's linked with uh, probably the funding in the business could have been much better. Now that's the wish list of me being being an entrepreneur and kind of you know wanting everything to have been done yesterday already. But uh-huh. we, we exist in a marketplace which has its own sensi- sensibilities and its own pace of working. So I know from my prior experience of startups and my prior investment banking experience also is that when we are creating something as new as what we are doing, a lot of investors and a lot of other people in the ecosystem, they need to see that you can actually do it before they commit their resources. So I'm, exactly. I'm fine for that as well. But yeah, I would have loved for, you know, better kind of or faster execution on our end on the back of a bit more funding early on. Yeah, okay. And on the other hand, sometimes it's like it requires that iteration that, like you say, that takes time. Yes. So doing it fast doesn't make you, doesn't mean you're doing it better. Sure. I've heard, <laughs> That's a, I've heard a couple of people on the podcast that actually said, I'm glad I didn't have the funding in place because I've seen a couple of people that, or companies that had, they started burning it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, I've not heard the kind of what is the best model. I hear people, like you say, that wanted to have it faster. Yeah because they didn't have it. And on the other hand, it's like, if I would have it, you hear opposite stories here. Yeah, and so interestingly, it's, it's a very interesting point you raise here, because what we have also noticed is in our segment as well, and by segment, I mean startups focusing on tenants, we have seen other businesses raise kind of 10 to 15X of what we have raised and try for a number of years, various iterations. But I think in almost all of those cases, what what happened is they chose a business model that was still focused on the legacy players, estate yeah. agents and, and landlords. And that is something we are completely staying away from. So, you know, 
this kind of limited funding has also allowed us to really push through that business model as well rather than kind of raising funding early on and then be under pressure to actually start building revenues and then take the let's say easier way of taking kind of you know fees or commissions from estate agents or landlords yeah exactly yeah. it's much more yeah. related than to the <laughs> to what looks like this and how is it proven to be right yeah <laughs> when you don't know if, if this one yet out of the two and a half years that you've been been in the business now working with your clients what has made you most proud what is an anecdote that you say i keep telling that one so i think it's really the feedback we receive from our users our happy clients basically and we have you know purposefully chosen i would say kind of clients with the most demanding nature so these are you know investment bankers and consultants and lawyers and and you know people in technology industry in the initial kind of few iterations of our building the product and when we hear the feedback from them about how we in some cases ended up saving over 80 hours for them or in another case you know ending ending up ended up saving them over 10000 pounds and you know that feedback is like super super powerful for us and keeps us going on a regular basis we as i was saying earlier we at the end of every search we search project we send a feedback form to our clients and we actually from right from the start have been tracking our net promoter score so we are at 80% right now and have been kind of consistently very high so you know again another another thing that kind of keeps us going to say okay what we are building is really of a lot of value to our clients basically and you know we should continue pushing so we reach the goal of that we have of as much automation as possible and then the human beings are there just to help with that most complex question at the top end basically yeah i can see that well it's always good of course that yeah i mean when your customers see the value and well, i mean your I, i think you have to prove it as well that over 30% of your of the people that start to work with you are coming from someone else that yeah, proves exactly. it yeah question at the end is how do you get that model that referral model Running. to go up to, to yeah, 100%. Absolutely, yeah. yeah so we are working what is on, missing? Yeah, we are working on that specific problem right now. So probably at, at the stage we are, at the moment we are at IDEA spitting a stage on that. So, you know, trying trying out a few things kind of in offline mode and then we'll bring it into online to embed referrals into our app given we have thousands of users on the app. And also as we go into deeper into corporates and kind of other kind of institutions then, we can start referral programs that are focused around those institutions as well now the question at the end is whether you can ever go to 100% because <laughs> yeah going for a search for a rental is not yeah. something that everybody does every day and, yes uh, i mean yeah. if i would look at my friends and people around me i wouldn't know anyone <laughs> yes as currently looking this is one thesis we have we have not tested this out as yet we have not experimented it at all but typically what we have seen is when you're looking to move either to rent or to buy or change cities somehow you start seeing more and more people who are in the same frame of mind that's true your yeah. consciousness expands and you kind of you know talk to people and then somebody says hey you know what that other person is moving as well etc yeah. so there is a natural kind of you know thing we have seen over the years and it happened with us every single time we moved somehow it just so happened that exactly at that time we knew three four or five other people that were moving i sometimes even in the same area same neighborhood but it just there is something there we need to figure that out or we need to kind of dig into research and you know look at what is it that uh, leads us to start recognizing more and more people who are in the same situation as us so there's definitely that angle and then you know as we were discussing early on when we work with uh, masters programs or universities etc they have always a group of people who are joining at the same time more or less 
True. Right, so it becomes easier for them to refer to each other about what we are doing. That's basically, that is smart. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, getting not, I wouldn't say top of the hour, bottom of the hour, and like, <laughs> but I want to kind of one, I always ask one more question in this in this respect from the lessons that you've learned. Looking at companies, looking at the tech entrepreneurs or, or to be tech entrepreneurs, yeah, from your own lessons, mm-hmm. what would you advise people that want to start a company that's, that's transforming? I think there are, today, there are a lot of simple tools that are available to potential entrepreneurs to really test out initially their hypothesis and kind of, you know, what kind of product they, they want to build, even before they have written any line of code or have started kind of, you know, mass scale marketing of any types. And it could be as simple as uh, creating the business model canvas and getting, you know, some friends or experts to challenge you on that. Starting from as basic as that, but it's crucial, all the way to now you have startups that are creating kind of, you know, making it super simple to create websites and and products as well with very limited coding. So as an entrepreneur, the the biggest thing that stays with, with you all the time is how can you be I'm thinking of a better word, but the the word sticks is scrappy. How can you do with very little resources? And resources is everything, as we were discussing earlier in terms of capital, but also importantly and very importantly about time and, you know, other kind of, you know, team available to you around you, basically. So start always, I would say, with literally paper-based analysis or, you know, simpler ways of running surveys, et cetera, to identify what the problem is. There are very powerful tools available now to, to learn what is the right way of asking questions. You can do, read that famous book, The Mom Test, to, to begin with, to really understand, you know, whether you are into something meaningful or not. And take your time a little bit to think through that and get yourself challenged by a lot of people. I have often seen a lot of entrepreneurs saying, no, ideas are really, really kind of, you know, secretive and all. What I have learned in last, you know, 20 years of being in the tech industry is everyone has the same idea, more or less. It's about execution, basically, right? So if sure. uh, that problem is really acute for you in person, like, you know, it was for us home search. I, I'm lazy. I don't want to do that home search again ever. So I created the business instead. But, you know, is that problem acute enough for you? And then, you know, how quickly can you get that validated at a larger scale? And for us personally, it meant that, you know, we wanted to be sure that we are just not peculiar in terms of what we choose. So very early on in 2016, we ran two surveys. I talked personally one-to-one. I talked to over 100 tenants across London to interview them to really understand what is it that they feel as a problem and never told them any solution because I didn't have a solution at that time in my mind. It was just problem kind of, you know, identification basically. So if, and you know, this is obviously, this opinion is colored by, by my experience, definitely. But, you know, if you are very clear on that problem set, then it allows you the flexibility to move your solution a little bit here and a little bit there, so long as you're kind of broadly addressing the same problem and allows you to prioritize what you solve first versus second, basically. So I think that's the best advice I can give right now to say, okay, there are offline channels available today to test out your idea and you know really work on a kind of you know universe conquering idea, basically. Cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, wise ideas and wise lessons, le- lessons learned. So what is next for you? What is next for Avasa? So we are in a very peculiar situation right now, obviously, with this COVID-19 lockdown. But we are making kind of, you know, as much positive use of this as possible. So in last few weeks, we have made some serious upgrades to our product. So there are a lot of development things that are happening right now. And simultaneously, we are talking to a lot of corporate HR 
at the moment more focused around customer discovery kind of interviews yeah. and then those will kind of some of them will morph into more sales discussions so in the near term it's really around this product and and commercial kind of build out in next kind of you know one to two years we would like to reach a stage where we have our bots are running kind of 80 to 90% of that workflow for our tenants and that would be an amazing place to be for us as a business then then we can literally assist hundreds of clients in a single month basically so yeah those are the kind of very near term goals basically for us good i mean that sounds interesting and, and exciting and again a good example of how you use the technology to, to further scale up in a way that makes sense so where can people go to find out more about how to use your product or how to get access to your product and how to say hi to you? Sure. So the best course is to start on our website, avasa.ai, and everyone can, can start using our search tool for UK properties this week and hopefully for more countries next week onwards. Um, and then also always open to connections on LinkedIn. So look me up on LinkedIn and send a message. As Don, you know, and how we connected is I, I love talking and meeting new people. So by all means, please reach out and we can have a nice conversation. Good. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, inspiring talk for sure. And I like the way you view business and how to grow it and, and what, what to do specifically for end users to make it remarkable for them rather than for anybody else. So thanks for that. Thanks. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And this ends my interview with my young. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Talking about that, Please share what your thoughts are about this episode. And if you liked it and you got inspired by it, please share it with other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that you have in your network. Other than that, thanks for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Mayank Matur, CEO of Avasa AI. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book, or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, 
and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.